0: Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, Episode Seven Eighty. We are, of course, recording this on a Tuesday, July twenty seventh. Hope everybody out there is enjoying the week and their summer. We have a busy program, a lot going on. Um, One of the more busy middle end of July, you know, programs that we'll do that we have done. Normally, of course, it's normally a, a you know, dead time in the sports um, in the sports calendar, but because you know of course because of the pandemic and things have been pushed back and of course we got the Olympics go, Olympics Olympics me, Olympics going on that's clearly that, you know a lot to talk about. Uh, we begin though with some news out of the Olympics and out of Japan. Uh Simone Biles has pulled out or well, pulled out the uh her team competition uh the usa finished uh, behind russia and got a won a silver medal um she tried to do a move didn't go didn't it did not go as well it's probably something that she's done probably a gazillion times but was able was not able to land it to at the level uh that she normally would be um we're talking about somebody who is University. Regardless, is probably the greatest gymnast of all time. I mean, she's she's like he has. She's on that level. Um, at first, they thought that, you know it was speculation that it could be that she hurt herself, but we come to find out that this was a issue of this was a mental issue. Um, basically, you know, her not feeling comfortable uh, moving forward. Now, it does not mean that she is completely out the Olympics, she's still, there are still a number of individual competitions beginning on Thursday with the all-around individual that she can, will be able to participate in. Um, we haven't, there, there hasn't been any official word on whether or not she will participate in those. She did say, you know, I will see you on Thursday, but that, you know, that doesn't, that has not, that's not confirming that she's gonna participate in the rest of those. Um competitions here's what she had to say on her instagram it wasn't it wasn't an easy day or my best but i got through it i truly do feel like i have the weight of the world on my shoulders at times i know i brush it off and make it seem like pressure doesn't affect me but damn sometimes it's hard haha ha. the olympics is no joke The Olympics is no joke, but I'm happy my family was able to be with me virtually. They mean the world to me. Um, so I think that what we see is, and we saw with Naomi Osaka, who you know got who was defeated uh, in straight sets, um, also in, in in straight sets this past uh, uh, a few not a few hours ago in the last you know yesterday. And it's out the and is out the Olympic tournament. And we saw what she where she was struggling with uh, her anxiety, and and basically took you know basically had that's, had taken up to this up to the point the Olympics had taken the summer off. Listen, you see athletes deal with themselves, and I you know I applaud Simone Biles. It takes a lot of uh, courage. It takes you know the Olympics. You know the Olympics is a every. Four years, <laughs> like you know, the, I mean, yes, you have your world international competitions and you have your world championships, but this is you know, this the Olympics is is the, is the absolute pinnacle of uh, is what these guys was what these young ladies and gentlemen are, are training for. It is what they put three hundred sixty five twenty four seven. This is what they are, are are. This is what they're training for, and this is what they are here. You know. Put their whole lives towards being in this in this moment. So for someone uh Simone Biles is ilk, someone who is was one of the greatest athletes ever. And she is in that conversation. Like she what well, she's dominated the sport, you know, Tiger Woods like Serena Williams like when they were at their Penguins, you want to say Michael Jordan, she's on, she's on that level. Okay. She's that great. So for someone who of that skill set to step away and say, hey, it's not a physical thing, this is a mental thing. And it really says a lot in terms of where, you know, she's at right now. And, you know, it says to me, it speaks to how serious, Again, this this should not be uh, a revelation, but this is just the reality of the situation of how just serious mental health is. Like it is not, you know, if you don't have your, if, you know, if you're not there mentally, then you, it's, it's, I don't care who you are. I don't care how accomplished you are. We're talking, we're talking about one of the most, she is, she does gymnastics um, as well as anybody does anything on this earth. She's that gifted. So for her to step away and say, hey, I need some, you know, need a mental health day. And you know, the, and for there to be even a possibility where she might just, you know, just completely step away from the Olympics, it, it it just tells you the burden that she is carrying, and that she, you know, she is at the end of the day, despite all her physical talents, despite the accomplishments, despite everything that she's done to get to this point, to get to this level—a level that few people on the, on the face of on this earth have ever gotten to. She's still a human being, and she's still, you know, if you don't deal with your mental health, your mental health will deal with you, and that's what this comes down to. Again, I don't see how you could, how anybody. And yet I've read a couple articles, but I'm sure that I'm sure there's some criticism uh, along the way. I have not been on Twitter, haven't been on any social media, thankfully today. Uh, up until the point to where I read you that statement from her on her Instagram. But um you know you you gotta take time for yourself ultimately. I don't get again I don't care who you are. I don't and you have a young lady who you know the thing that stood out when she said and again I know like gymnast gymnasts certain athletes start younger like some of these certain athletes start, these gym, gymnasts started at some age, you know, some of these gymnasts started at age, you know, 10, 8, start competing in competitions in their teens. So when she says that, you know, maybe it's the age at 24, you're saying it, that that to me, I mean, not only there's a, there's not only a physical toll, a, a physical toll, but again, there is the accumulation of a mental toll that has transpired over the course of, of her career. Like, being not only, not only competing at, the, you know, competing, which is, it is such a, brutal, and again, gym, I just, I've never, I've never done gymnastics, but it is a physically demanding sport. Like, some of you, like, the, I know that we, we look at, we look at gymnasts and aesthetically they do some stuff. They are like, they're kind of like artists out there and just some of the moves and some of the stuff they can do. But it is a, don't make no mistake about it, it is a physically demanding sport. And if you're not there mentally, you you can get, you can hurt yourself. And you will, matter of fact, you will hurt yourself if you're not there all the way there mentally. So from that standpoint, you I don't see how you anybody can have a problem with her with this, with her uh, doing this and taking the time for herself. And again, it just shows you how fragile the mind can be and how fragile mental health can be. And uh, you know, you, yeah, you know, we kind of forget, um you kind of forget when you get when you see an athlete, see LeBron James, you see Michael Jordan, you see, you know, Roger Federer, whoever whoever, you know, uh, any other top athletes compete at such a high level, high high level for years upon years, and we can kinda take it for granted. You kind of take it for granted, saying, and saying, and kind of treat them like you know they're machines, as they're not, like they're not human. Because what they're doing on the courts seemingly is not human. Like they're doing things that is like that no that that most mere that ninety nine percent of us only could dream about doing, and they're doing it, and they're making it look easy. At that, when you get to that level, you know Novak Djokovic. Uh, you know serena and her prime i'll uh, just to name a few but these athletes are human period there's no two ways about it they're human they deal with things they deal with issues just like us just like the regular just like us regular regular mere mortals and you know you gotta give them, gotta give her a space to give her you gotta respect her decision I mean, that's all there is to it Even if she chooses to step out of the entire competition, I respect it. She doesn't she owes us nothing. When it comes to your mental health, it's all about you. And and it comes when it comes to your mental health, you gotta be selfish. Period. So I applaud it. I you know, I think that this could lead to more athletes dealing with their mental health and not feeling like feeling ashamed or not being afraid or not. or not feeling like they're letting someone down you know if simone biles one of the best athletes in the world can do this then you know that you know that again that could be that can lead to other athletes other people in general not so much as athletes but other people in general dealing with themselves uh as we continue to go through and deal with this pandemic which is not over by the way and we've been dealing with it as a country as a as a society and around the world not just as a country but just in you know, as a you know, as a planet, for the better part of you know what eighteen months now, you now going through, you know what March of twenty twenty, it's a long time. So definitely a a, a shout of salute to her. Um, certain sure you would love to watch her perform, but uh, not at the behest, uh, not at the sacrifice of, of of her mental state. She owes us nothing. She really doesn't. She owes us nothing. Uh, So, college football, of course, college football season, a little over a month away, and the, you have, the future of college football is about to be, is about to be shaken up. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma have made moves and made plans to exit the big 12 after 2025 they're already looking into going into the sec which doesn't which by the way doesn't need, need that really doesn't need anybody i mean the sec already is the, the premium in conference in the in the college football in the country they make you know they're right there with the big 10 as far as revenue uh with the sec network and they, we know that on on the field and in terms of recruiting, they are the crumb de la creme. So it, it, I mean, it would absolutely be a rich getting richer, uh, type deal if the uh, if Oklahoma and Texas do join um, the SEC, which all indications uh are pointing to. It. Here's here's what I'll say about this: if I'm the ACC, right. From the ACC, I have to do everything in my power to make sure that this uh, this does not happen. Okay, I, I just cannot let this happen. Um, the ACC last year um, has been struggling financially, as in comparisons to the Big t- the SEC and Big Ten. When it comes down to revenue, this is despite having the ACC network. Of course, now the ACC. Has a, you know they have a situation where you have Notre Dame basically half in half out from the ACC. ACC, I'm recruiting one of the two, more than likely. This probably it probably would be impossible to get both the to get both Texas and Oklahoma. I'm recruiting one of those schools though. I'm recruiting one of them and saying, hey, you along with Clemson could be the the flag bearer of our conference. You could say, like you like going to the SEC. I like you have to do a sell job and tell, explaining them somehow, some way that they going to the SEC. They will be just another team, or going to the SEC. You have to discourage that by by some again. It, it is a long shot, but you have to take the shot because if the SEC gets both Texas and Oklahoma, what I mean, game over. It is absolutely game over if you're not another conference. Like it really, it like it really is outside of Big Ten because the Big Ten still has the television money and still has the prestige to compete with the SEC. But even if seriously, it might even be over, it might even be game over for the Big Ten. To be honest with you. Like some, like some way, somehow, and again, I I might be doing this if I'm the Big Ten as well, saying hey, and I like we have Ohio State, we have Michigan, we have a big tell, we have a big television contract. You're not that far. Oklahoma, Texas are not that far away from Big Ten schools in terms of proximity. And there, I mean, there are certain things you you can say to sell them, Uh, especially Texas. I mean, you can say to Texas, hey, do you really want to be competing against Texas A.M. for Texas recruits? I mean, again, it is a long shot, but it, you again, if you're one of these conferences, especially at the ACC, you have to take, uh, you have you have to find a way to convince either Oklahoma or Texas to come to you, not to go to the SEC and to come to your conference. And the first thing they need to be doing, I'm sure they, they're working on this, even as we speak, is getting, this trying to uh, get Notre Dame to be a full-time participant in the SEC from a football standpoint from a football standpoint. You get Notre Dame all in, that will go a long way into saying, hey, here, look Texas, look Oklahoma. We have Notre Dame. They're all in. They're all in full time. Again, you're not going to be able to compete with the SEC from a financial standpoint. Uh, right now, even with Notre Dame, you won't be able to compete with them from a financial standpoint. They have too many resources. So, they, you know, the, SC, the ACC is going to have to get creative in terms of their in terms of their recruiting, in terms of their recruitment of of these two, uh, you know, signature schools um, coming out of the Big Twelve. And by the way, speaking of the Big Twelve, the Big with these two teams leaving the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve. 'm if I'm if I'm, if I'm an Oklahoma state I'm a West Virginia I'm already looking at at, at, at getting out I'm looking at another conference like I, I I cannot stay in that conference anymore I gotta go to a I gotta I'll be looking at the big 10 I'll be looking possibly at the pac 12 I, I I would be I I have to get out I, I have to like there's no there's no big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma it's just it like it doesn't exist the conference doesn't exist without those two teams. Period. You're talking about two of the signature programs in college football. Texas has its own network. It has its own television network. <laughs> That's how big Texas is. So, but to me, I my my eyes will be by focus will be on what the ACC does. You cannot allow, again, you cannot allow the SEC to get, to have, to get both Oklahoma and Texas. Like, you can't. It just would be, uh, it almost wouldn't be any point to the ACC from a football standpoint if if they got, if those who, if if both Oklahoma and Texas went to the, the SEC. And again, to me, you have two major selling points that I can think of right now. One, the possibility of getting a, having Notre Dame full time, and two, recruiting. Like, if I'm, you know, again, if I'm the ACC, I'm saying, hey, you could be, along with Clemson, the signature program in this conference. Florida State is down right now along with Clemson and possibly if we do get Notre Dame in the, in the SEC, there are four to five signature programs that you got to compete against in terms of recruiting with Alabama, LSU, Florida, Auburn, Texas, A&M, Georgia. Like that is my selling point. That is how I'm, that, that is the biggest, that's, that's, that is the biggest selling point. That selling point that I would have to a Texas and to Oklahoma. You really want to compete with those schools in terms of recruiting uh, because you're going to like those. I mean, those schools: Alabama, Texas, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, LSU are routinely top five, top ten in terms of recruiting, year in and year out. And Texas A M now with with Dabo not Dabo Sweeney with uh, Jimbo Fisher is right is also right there as well. And again, I'm pleading to Texas. Hey, you don't have to worry about any other Texas school uh, competing against any other Texas school if you come to the ACC versus uh, versus uh, competing, having to compete with Texas A M. Uh, got to compete with Texas a- Texas A and M uh, in the SEC again, whatever. Listen, from a fight, whatever it takes. the ACC, whatever it takes. But more than likely, that is a probably going to be a pipe dream, and they, you know, you are going to have this sixteen team just super conference. Now, from a fan perspective, you're a fan of the sport. You like you gotta you probably you love it. I mean, the idea of Texas playing like, Alabama year in and year out, and Oklahoma playing Auburn, Oklahoma playing, uh, you know, Georgia. I mean, some of the matchups are just are, are just tantalizing to say the least. I mean, that you know, can you imagine like the SEC championship? Just would be insane like that. It's all I mean, it's already great football, but now. You know, there know there will be no off years in the SEC SEC as far as you know some years it could be tilted towards where the west of the west is is that much better than the east the SEC, than the SEC east that would not be the case uh if these two teams uh join the SEC but again the SCC has four, has relative that have basically has three and a half years to sell one of these two schools if not both of them on not joining the SEC and and linking up in the uh, ACC in the uh, ACC ACCG conference. First thing though is getting Notre Dame full time. Of course, to no one to anyone's to no one's surprise, so it shouldn't have been any it shouldn't have been a shock to you that USA Basketball continued to struggle uh losing for the third time in about in a couple of weeks. Of course they lost two times in the, uh, two exhibition games in Vegas and they dropped their first Olympic game to France, which is a very good which has a very good team. I mean let's be honest. Uh you know, Fournier lit, lit, lit you know lit them up. Uh, Rudy Gobert, of course, is on the team, Nick Patoon Nick is on the team. So France has some players. But let's let us let's, let's be honest, there's no way that the USA even despite the fact that this, from a talent standpoint, is their worst team since '04. 4 since '04, from competing in the Olympics. The last year, in in the World Championships they had, in 2019, that team wasn't very good. Uh, You know, the Donovan Mitchell team, Chris Milton team, that that team wasn't very good as well. But in terms of of Olympic, of of the Olympics, this is, without question, the worst team that the USA has had from a talent standpoint since 2004. it's not it's, they're not even as good as 2014 uh either. I'll uh, be perfectly honest with you. Listen you have a situation where you have a coach that is frankly getting, getting in the way of his talent um that team does not look happy to be in Japan. they don't look they don't look happy they don't look like they're enjoying playing with each other. Um, to, now, there's been a lot of talk about Popovich having too much of, you know, the trying to run the San Antonio Spurs offense. This ball movement, having all these passes, and you notice, especially in this game, and even in the exhibition games, but it really came out in this game. the The amount of overpassing and how many, how many, I mean, they passed up. They are passing up on not good shots. They're passing up on great shots. So that, that tells you how much they're, they're trying too hard as far as trying to play within a system, uh, trying to uh, not come off as being selfish. You need to let these guys. These guys need to play to their strengths. These guys are great individual one-on-one talents in terms of Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard's, Jason Tatum. These guys are great one-on-one players, period. Chris, oh, Chris Middleton. You know, now joining you know, now joining the team. So there, there's no way that offensively they they should be this and that. There's no way. And listen, I I don't see it getting any better. Like I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't I don't think this team is winning a gold medal. Um, despite all the talent, spite. Them being the favorites, they they just again they are they look I I look at the body language that team doesn't they as a as a collective whole it looked like a team that does not want to be there as a collective whole. Kevin Durant is not fifty percent of the player that he was in the playoffs. He's not. You know, France was able to go out there and compete with them. Uh, and play a lineup with two bigs. Think about that. Play a lineup with two bigs, and the USA not be able not not be able to take it not not able to take advantage of that. So, I don't see this team winning a gold medal. Uh, this has all the makings of. A team that just will not, will, won't get together uh, as far as chemistry goes. Um, and by and listen, as great as he is, and we, we know he's one of the great coaches of all time. Greg Popovich may not be a fit for USA Basketball as a head coach. That that is a real thing. It's a like coaching you international basketball is not co- It's not like coaching uh, college basketball. It's not like coaching the NBA. It's is Completely different ball of wax. It really is. Like I, I don't. I think that you. You know. I, I think you have to play to the strength of your players. I like. I, you know. I. <coughs> one of the things that Greg that I've given Greg Pop is a lot of credit for, along with Mike Shishovsky and and those guys' ability to stay up. You know, stay near at the top for the better part. For. for For the duration of their careers and kind of uh, uh, adjust as the years have gone by, is adaptability. You know, might Coach K adapting to one and done players and not getting caught up in, you know, my system, my system, my system. I give Greg Poppins the same credit with all those years with the Spurs, but to me, it might be, he might be at the end of the rope as far as that he might. I mean, he might. You know, you you see a lot of these press conferences, and he he sounds like the you know, he sounds like the old man who is going to do it his way, and is not really taking uh, you know, taking culpability responsibility for what's going on. You know, saying he's saying all things like, hey, they those guys get played, those guys. You know you're not giving France and all these other teams enough credit, and it's it's like it's like Popovich. You know your team is playing tight as a drum. Like I said, they're they're not even having like, they're not having any fun. I don't know if you saw this, but last Friday, you, of course, you had a situation with between Kevin Durant and Bam out of out of bio. Where Kevin Durant shots, you know, you know, shoot, shoots the ball, makes a shot, uh, uh, allegedly took t- takes the ball, starts dribbling with it because it's from certain camera angles, it looked like it was David, that Dame Lillard took it, but who knows? And Kevin Durant basically throws a temper tantrum, and not only does he get in the face of Adebayo, he posted he posts this. This was on videotape, but he also. On top of it, posted posted the, the situation on Instagram, on or Twitter, one Twitter or one of those, if not both of them. It's like yeah, like Kevin, yeah, thirty two years old, about to be thirty three in, in September. Like, like this is what we're doing right now. <laughs> like, what, what we, do? like, come on, like, what, what, like, this is this is what we're doing. So, I don't know if if chemistry is is you know. I don't know if those guys are, are those guys clearly are not. first of all, none of them with the exception of Durant and, and Draymond Green have played together on an international level. That's number one. And the bottom line is the team is just, they, the team is not as good as they've been in the past. This team, this team there are guys on this team who shouldn't, who really theoretically shouldn't even be on this team in a normal Olympic year. Zach Levine, you know, good player. Zach would not be on the 2012, 8, or 16 Olympics. Same thing with JaVale McGee, Kelton Johnson. I mean, there are about four or five guys that just would not be on, would not would not even be on this team. Would not even be on, let alone starting. Wouldn't be on this team. Wouldn't, wouldn't be on the team. So, I listen, I don't, there's nothing there's nothing that I've seen in, in the past couple of weeks that will tell me that this team is going to win a gold medal. And I don't I don't think, frankly, there's no great dominant, great Olympic team. In, there's no team in these particular Olympics that is particularly, that is that, is that good. There's no Genovi Argentina team. Spain is not what it once was. You know, Gasol, the Gasol brothers are, are old. Uh, Argentina is not what it once was. So this, I mean, this end up being a. Could, I mean, don't be surprised if Slovenia with Luka, Luca Doncic ends up, ends up winning the uh, gold medal. He had forty eight points in the opening game against Argentina. Do not be surprised because that guy, it, it might be the Luka Olympics. Because there are no, there just. I mean, you got some very, you got some decent teams. There are no great teams, including the United States. Uh, they play Iran tonight, or well, this morning. So we'll, we'll see if they can bounce back in a game that they should they should win by probably twenty five. Uh, I don't know any of Iran's players, but that that's a game that you know they lose that game. Then we got some. They might as well take the plane home. <laughs> so as training camps have started. Um, the two dominating stories um coming out of the quarterback quarterback is coming out of two of the better quarterbacks in the league, and that's one that's with Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson. Aaron Rodgers apparently, nothing's official yet, official, but apparently Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay have come to a compromise that will keep him in a Green Bay uniform for at least two thousand and twenty-one. Um I don't know how much pool or power he's going to have from in terms of personnel decisions, but they've made some compromises. He, uh, in terms of his contract, he will be basically free after the 2021 season, and his contract has been has been torn apart, has been ripped up for 2020. So he doesn't have a contract for 2023. The 2022 seems to be an option. Uh, in terms of just determining, in terms of what both sides will want to do after 2021, so what is setting up to be and he put, he, he along with Devontae Adams did, posted you know a, a, a meme last dance picture with you know Scotty Michael Jordan on their Instagrams this past Friday, so it's setting up to be a somewhat amicable divorce. Like hey, let's go out here try to win a Super Bowl. This year, and then go our separate ways after the season, and you know enter, you know enter the Jordan Love era in terms of Green Bay come 2022. So, with that being said, um, there should be at least anywhere from 15 to 20 teams that should be getting ready and putting themselves in a position to where they can make a run. For Aaron Rodgers, including the team that I root for in terms of the Washington Football Team, you should be thinking about Aaron Rodgers right now, for 2021. Like you, in a real way. If you don't have, if you don't have, if you, if, if your team doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, um Justin Herbert. Um, if the team doesn't have one of those guys on your team, you should be in the, the Patrick Mahomes sweepstakes. Excuse me, the Darren Rogers sweepstakes for two thousand twenty-two. That's all there that is to it. Which would be it? Which probably is probably seventy-five percent of the lead. So I, I'll say that. Um, you know, l- listen, Green Bay. I don't, I like, you know, both, I'll say this. I think, <clears throat> I think this is the best possible situation for both parties for, for 2021. Um, I don't think that as great as Aaron Rodgers is, had he been moved to a, like, if he goes to a Denver, he goes to Las Vegas, those teams would not, would not have been as good as Green Bay was going to be this year. Despite how great a player, of a player that he is, and of course, if you're Green Bay, there's no way you can replace Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is not ready to play right now. Period. If Jordan Love was ready to play, then Aaron Rodgers probably would be probably would have been traded. Or excuse me, more than likely would have been traded. So for the short term, for the one year, this to me is is the best possible situation um for both parties now there'll be speculation all season long on where Aaron Rodgers will end up uh in 2022 but for the most part they'll both you know both Aaron Rodgers and and Green Bay can zero in on trying to win a Super Bowl in 2021 Now again, it it just seems to me that you again there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride in terms of in, in, in on, on, on both sides. Like to me, the common sense to thing, the common sense thing to do with your Green Bay would to be go to go all out and try to win a championship while you have one of the great quarterbacks of all time in uniform. That would be to me the common sense. go out the common sense thing to do. Put all your chips on the, put all your chips on the table, similar to what Tampa Bay has done, did last year, similar to what we've seen New Orleans do, uh, leading up to when the last couple of years of Drew Brees when they try to add a number of players and went out their way, drafted well, and put themselves in a position to uh, win championships, but you know. Things happen. A couple bad, a couple bad breaks. Some injuries. Things and what have you. But though the, the New Orleans had championship caliber, they had a championship caliber roster around uh, Drew Brees. He just got old quickly. Um. So yeah, Green. You know, Green. We know Green Bay has mishandled this. At the same time, you know, if you're say at, at the same time. I think Aaron Rodgers somewhat gets bailed out by not being, because he wasn't going to sit out the season. That's first of all. That wasn't going to happen. And if he does get traded, again, that team was not going to be as good as what Green Bay will, will be coming into next year. Green Bay comes into next year as the clear favorite in that division and one of the three or four, one of the four or five teams, three or four teams that can actually, that can get to and win a Super Bowl, period. That goes without saying. So I think this will be his last year in Green Bay. Um yeah, I, I could I wouldn't listen, I wouldn't be surprised even if they won a Super Bowl that it was his last year. That's how bad I think it's it's gotten uh in that building. Um there's no trust factor on either side, and especially from Rogers' side, like Rogers. You know, Rogers really wants out of there. But Rogers, listen, he is as stubborn as he is. He's he's not he's, he's no dummy. He's not gonna sit out the season, uh and he's not gonna waste a chance a, a chance to win a second Super Bowl. So he is a pragmatist from that standpoint. As far as Deshaun Watson goes, um. There have been some talks, and it was reported by Howard Eskin, the Eagles sideline reporter, that he believes that there's a 90 percent chance that Deshaun Watson will, if he does get traded, will be traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. They have the cap, they have the draft capital, in order to make that move, and so the you know, so does, of course, so does the Miami Dolphins. Uh, of course, teams are waiting, trying to wait out to see how this case is going to will go with Watson. I'll say this. I, I probably, if a gun to my head, would probably would, would probably pull the trigger in terms of making a move on Watson because I don't think that I don't think that this the case against them is very strong to be honest, from the outside looking in. I just don't. I, I think they'll, he'll, more than likely it will be a settlement, and I think and I, I, I would take a chance on trading for Watson if I were the Eagles or if I were in uh, another, another team in, in dire straits in need of, of a quarterback. I wouldn't mind if, if Washington football, if the Washington football team took a shot, uh, took a, you know, made, traded for, to be on to be pretty honest with you. It doesn't seem like to me that the case, that the case against him is strong enough to, strong enough to a point to where he, forget about, he's not going to jail, but even for him to be suspended and uh, suspended for the season or suspended or miss a ton of games. But don't be surprised if Watson suits up for week one for somebody. I expect him to, I do expect him to be traded. Houston has made it clear that they, I think Houston is going to trade him. But, uh, you know, there's, you know, there is, of course, you know, there's, of course, there are, of course, teams, a lot of talk that, teams will be reluctant considering the situation, considering his case, the case against him. I don't think, I, I don't think so. I think teams are, I think you have, a. I think you will have a number of teams go after Deshaun Watson that will be after Deshaun Watson. So I fully expect that Deshaun Watson will be traded and uh, and and will, and will play football in, in 2021. Because to me, the case is just moving too slow. I don't think you know. I, I think you take a chance. You can take a chance to your organization, weigh it out, and, and probably. I mean, and I, I I think that the most likely scenario for this case is probably a, a out-of-court settlement. To be to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, here's my. You know, I kind of kind of want to put a bow on the NBA season. Didn't uh, didn't do, didn't do a program. Didn't do a, uh Didn't get a chance to do that in terms of uh, in terms of a podcast. So this is my official season-ending top five players. We have Giannis at one, Kevin Durant two, LeBron James three, Stephen Curry four, Luka Doncic five. Now Luka being five, no question to me. I have no problem if you want if you would want to flip Curry and LeBron James at at the stages in their careers. Could you could you make the case? Certainly, I would lean towards LeBron. Curry didn't get did not get uh Golden State to the playoffs, but um certainly you would have no like if, if you told me going to the season who you have more confidence in. Probably would lean towards Curry, but but um had LeBron third. Giannis and Durant to me were no-brainers to be one and two. You can make a case for Durant being one, but the bottom line is Giannis um, dominated in the postseason. He's twenty-six years old, um, and he is durable. Like so, it, it was a combination of who would I want going into the postseason, lead me into the future. What player would I want lead me, you know, that lead me into the future for the next five years? So there's a lot of things that went into this. At the end of the day, I think Giannis is the Giannis is the best player in the world right now. Um, so I mean, the guy bounced back from a knee and and came back in in a week. <laughs> so I mean, the durability, the you know, the age, um, the upside. When you put all those factors along with what the accolades, what the, what he what he's accomplished, I don't see how you can't have him at number one. To be honest, which I, I really, you know, we've rewarded guys in the past when they've won championships being number one. Where it was Jordan in '91, LeBron 2012. Um, I, I gotta be consistent from that standpoint and have Giannis number one uh, at the end of the season. Like I, I just I couldn't see I just couldn't see a situation where he's not number one, considering what he did in this postseason, leading that team to a championship. Um, Coming back twice in the playoffs from two nothing, from two zero deficits. So Giannis you know, is number one right now. And again, the scary thing about the scary thing about it is, I don't think he's he basically seventy percent of the player that he's going to be. He may, he's maybe reaches seventy percent capacity. Like there's there's still two major levels that he can reach. Like he can develop a post game. And he can develop. You know, the final the final thing will be once he is able to control the pace of the game, which is some old. You know, that's some some Yoda Jedi Jedi type shit. That will be the final final piece. But I look for him. I look for him to add to his post game come next year, because we see him. We see him in the in the interior. He's just he's unstoppable. He really is. All right, NBA draft is coming up Thursday. Uh, So you had a trade that's not official, but that is being finalized. Memphis getting Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, two first-round picks, including this year's 10th pick. Uh, And New Orleans getting Jonas Valanciunas along with the 17th pick. Um, I I think this is a great move for New Orleans. New Orleans is is looking to really – this is a big year for New Orleans. Because they've got to convince uh, Zion Williamson that this is a place that he can win, where he can win. Uh, is one of the reasons why Stan Van Gundy was fired after only one year. They have to. They have to make the playoffs this year, and they have to make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs this year. There's, I, uh, I can see Zion not even. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Zion didn't even sign the the. Uh, extension, the um, the, the uh, max extension that the players normally of his ilk get, you know, come out after a year, you know, when they become, you know, year after year three. So this is a big time year for that franchise um, to show Zion that he can win at a high level at that at that place and in, uh, in, in New Orleans. And the first major, st- the first step would be, of course, making the playoffs. Get Zion in the playoffs, even if they got knocked out the first round. Uh, just get him, get him a taste of the playoffs. And I, I think, listen, Valentin, Valentinian's had a great year this year with Memphis. He's a physical center with skill. Um, was like seventeen and twelve. Shot close to six percent from the field. Even was decent. Even was like thirty-five percent from the three-point line. So he's a skilled guy who, again, to me, is a major offensive upgrade over uh steven adams and also you get rid of the eric bledsoe Stephen adams contract those two contracts which, which were not good contracts to say the least uh from a Memphis standpoint um those contracts after this year both bledsoe and Stephen adams will be tradable contracts will be tradable will, will be tradable so from that standpoint um you know, from that, from that standpoint, I, I guess you can, you will have some financial flexibility after uh, this season. The main thing for Memphis is the development, of course, of their young players. Um, they are not a draw for free agents. They are all about drafting and development. They need John Moran and they need Jaron Jackson Jr. to take a, to take a step up, a level, to take a step up in terms of the levels of their particular play. So they're, they're, their improvement is gonna come from mainly within. Um and also again, drafting and developing, um, getting um, getting the tenth pick. Uh, again, this is this is a very good draft. Even you know, it's, it's you know, it's perceived to be a four player draft, but you could get, I mean, who you a tenth pick is a lottery pick. You can get a good player at number ten even in, in this draft and the way they've the way that they've uh developed talent and drafted over the past couple of years, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe they can maybe they can hit the jackpot and get a get a guy that can you know, that can grow that can grow with uh John Moran and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's if Jaron Jackson Jr. is on the team. Um, there've been some rumor rumors of of, of of him being possible of trade talk with him. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But To me, the big thing about the big piece of this trade is New Orleans getting closer to uh, improving their team and helping them, you know, increasing the chances that Zion will be there for the uh, foreseeable future. So we'll see what happens with that. That's going to wrap it up for this next edition of the Real Dog Podcast. I will see you later on in the week. We'll do some NBA draft stuff. Hopefully, the USA basketball men's basketball I have won a game by the time we next time we talk—and certainly much, much more. Have a great rest of your evening. This podcast, this podcast will be up sometime Wednesday morning. I'm out.